Good morning, afternoon, evening. It's Lux of the Royal Deluxe Podcast, and I'm still here. I didn't retire, I didn't quit, I didn't give up or anything. I'm still in this. I've just been busier than I thought I would be this offseason and maybe didn't have as much motivation as I thought to uh, keep doing the podcast throughout the offseason regularly, even if I said I was only going to do it like once a month or something. But it's like I would kind of forget about that. I would kind of forget like when I had to do the podcast. So it was just like, OK, well, I'll just I'll just find a way to you know come back and do an episode at some point. Uh, I don't know. This this doesn't matter. Point is, I'm still here. Not a day goes by without me thinking about the podcast. And I do have lots of things that I'm going to start doing uh, for the 2023 season. We are going to have a bit of a a bit of a redesign. I, I, again, I got some ideas. I'm going to think of uh, some new schedules and formats and things like that. It'll be better. Things are going to improve a lot. You're going to see a, a a new and improved Royal Deluxe for the 2023 season, and I hope you're looking forward to it, because I'm looking forward to doing this. In fact, the reason why I'm doing this episode today, now, is because I have something I kind of wanted to talk about, but it might be a bit of a downer uh, subject. So I'm going to do this now, right before the Super Bowl, so that we can just get this out of the way and then enjoy the weekend. You know, whether or not the Chiefs win the Super Bowl or not, we'll come back and talk about other less sad Royals topics. <laughs> you know, I don't want something good to happen and then like a week later and be like, oh, uh, by the way, I got to talk about this thing that's like really sad. Or, oh, no, it's pretty bad. Or something. Well, 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 I don't know. We might not even have to talk about it. It might not even really be that big of a deal, but still. Uh, it's worth talking about. So what we've got today is uh, I'm going to talk about Zach Greinke returning to Kansas City for 2023 and what the Royals pitching staff is going to look like in 2023 or what it might look like because um, it is very much not set in stone. It is not at all cut and dry. So uh, this is a, this is kind of the main topic. And then I also want to talk about the powder blue opening day uniforms that are coming back. Royals are bringing back powder blue pants for opening day 2023. We'll talk about that. And then uh, there's a lot of discussion about the farm, the farm system in Kansas City uh, for the Royals organization. So I want to mention that a little bit, make a, a few comments on that, and then also bring up the, um, I don't know what you want to call this, I guess the ongoing situation if you want to, again, if you want to call it that, with Salvador Perez, you might be wondering, like, what are you even talking about? But we'll we'll get to that. There are, of course, many things that I've missed over this offseason that I have not talked about. I'm going to save that for, you know, like next week or whenever I get to do this again, maybe in a couple weeks. I'm definitely going to be doing this a lot more regularly. We're not, we're, I'm not taking months off anymore because, you know, the season's coming back. It's, it's starting up. So I got to get myself conditioned for that. Um... But yeah, these are kind of more miscellaneous topics that I feel like would uh, be uh, best suited for right now. For a little bit of a miscellaneous episode. Yeah, just just before the Super Bowl, you know? Because I guess this isn't all that important. And we've got a very, very important weekend coming up. <laughs> yeah. So, Zach Grenke is back. Again! He is back for the for the Royals 2023 season. Uh, the Royals signed him to a one-year deal 
worth eight and a half million. And then it comes with, I think, like seven and a half million dollars. Uh, yes, yeah, plus seven and a half million dollars in potential incentives. So, uh, oh, I, what, what were the incentives again? It, it was based on innings pitched. All right, here we go. Eight and a half million dollar guarantee plus four hundred fifty thousand dollars for each ninety innings, or, or no, for ninety innings, then ninety five, then one hundred, then one hundred five, then one hundred ten, then one hundred fifteen, then one hundred twenty, and then one hundred twenty five, and then one hundred thirty, and then one hundred thirty five innings pitched and then beyond that it's another it's it's 300,000 if he reaches 140 then 145 then 150 then and it goes you, you get it it goes up to 185 so i guess if he if he pitches 185 innings this season then he gets uh 15 million dollars no that's 16 million dollars i know math i know numbers i know i know i know numbers i watch baseball and stuff like that <sighs> yeah and I think that's a very solid deal. Um, I'm glad the Royals did this because it, it seemed like at first they weren't going to do that. And, um, you know, I, I did have some kind of mixed opinions on Zach Greinke uh, last season, but I definitely warmed up to him a lot more. And it was my, my mixed reaction was based on his, uh, I guess, the first half of the season where he had this stretch where he was pretty um, not good. And one thing that's concerning is that he was injured. He had like a forearm injury uh, in May or June. And that's just really troubling because Zach Greinke does not get injured. And, and I mean, whether or not he has a good injury history or not, he's 39 years old at this point. So, you know, forearm injury at that age, it's, 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 a, it's a red flag. It's pretty scary. But if you take out that uh, four-start stretch uh, that happened in May, then he pitched with a 2.75 ERA, which is awesome. That's just fantastic. The one thing is that he doesn't throw a lot of innings. There were very, very few occasions where he pitched more than five innings in a game. Like, he, like he would maybe get six. Uh, but still, he, he's a good starter, and, you know, he's just a, a great guy to have around. We heard lots of stories uh, from seemingly every single player on the roster about how just great it was to have Zach Greinke in the clubhouse. I'm actually in a way surprised that he wanted to come back. He seemed to really enjoy himself last year, which is uh, great because, man, it, last year did not seem very fun for a lot of people, but, you know, good, good that he's enjoying himself. Um, I guess he might enjoy being around the younger guys and being the guy uh, to look up to. Um but yeah, so just just like the the presence of Zach Greinke is extraordinary to have. And of course, he means a little more to people in Kansas City because this is obviously where his career started and he where he won his Cy Young and, you know, he's he at this point it it is more likely that he's going to go into the Hall of Fame with a Royals cap, which would be absolutely um extraordinary because I, I kind of honestly thought he might just go in with a blank cap because he's been around so many different teams. But I don't know. Maybe the fact that he's ending his career, seemingly ending his career in Kansas City, maybe he will go in with a Royals cap. That would be that would be awesome. That would really, really be awesome. So he's a fan favorite. He's a player favorite. Everyone just loves him. So that's obviously, you know, a big win for the Royals. But just the, the fact that he can contribute to the team. Still, if he's going to be a starter with a sub-3 ERA, yeah, awesome. Honestly, I don't even really care if he pitches five innings each time. That's just good. We'll take that. 
And, you know, smart move on J.J. Piccolo for giving it, for giving him maybe a lower deal than he did last year, because last year he got a $13 million deal or something, uh, $13 million deal or something. But so this year, eight and a half seems a little bit low, but then you've got all those incentives, which is, you know, taking into account the fact that he didn't pitch a lot of innings last year and he wasn't completely healthy. Yeah, I think that was a very um, a smart decision by J.J. Piccolo. So very happy with this signing. Overall, no complaints at all, but it does present a very interesting issue for the Royals because um, Zach Greinke being back on in the Royals rotation, it's closing up a an opportunity for someone else in this organization. And you actually look at all of the play, all of the possible players that we have, all of the available pitchers that we have. And then the uh, the the amount of spots we have open in this rotation, and it's like, okay, how is this going to settle? Because this is kind of extraordinary. So the Royals' rotation, as it stands, going into twenty twenty three, is Brady Singer, number one. I think he's going to be the opening day starter. I think the Royals like low key already announced it, and I'll kind of get to that. Number two, Zach Greinke, you know, and then number three. Jordan Lyles, free agent that we signed uh, a month or two ago. Um, I know he's not very good, but he's um, better than, like, every other pitcher that we have in this organization. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a, a clear lock for this rotation. And then you've got number four and number five open. Now, I, I'm kind of already penning Brad Keller as the number four guy, just because... I really don't think the Royals gave him a guaranteed contract. They 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 took his final arbitration year and they're not going to have him as a starter. Like I just don't understand why the Royals would take Brad Keller, why they would keep Brad Keller around after he's had two atrocious years. You know, keep him keep him around, pay him even more for his last year of team control if they're not still seeing the upside in him being a starter. Now, I mean, I, I'm not like, I mean, I, we, we can disagree on this. I, I'm not like going to die on this hill saying like, Oh, Brad Keller needs to be a starter. But I just, I just don't see how the Royals bring Brad back Brad Keller. If they don't plan on starting it, because otherwise it just, it just doesn't really make any sense. So I'm going to kind of tentatively put Brad Keller as a number four guy. There's one spot left for nine other pitchers. There are nine guys that we have that made a start in the last year. Those are Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch, Max Castillo, Jackson Kowar. I'll put an asterisk by him because he didn't actually start a game last year, but I still think the Royals envision him as a starter, so I'm going to put him as a possibility. Ronald Bolaños, Carlos Hernandez, Jonathan Heasley, Angel Zerpa, and Ryan Yarborough. Nine guys fighting for one spot. And if you want to put put in Brad Keller, okay. Ten guys fighting for two spots in this rotation. And, um, yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Um, I'm not sure what the plan is for that. I'm sure this will, in a way, get settled during spring training. Um... But yeah, I, I, I hope this lights a fire under these guys 
to uh, give them a, a real push to improve. I guess this is what Dayton Moore had said at some point last year where, you know, we were looking at the team's failures and then he was saying, oh, well, it's their fault. It's on the players to compete because we've already given them the opportunity and whatever they need to compete. Now, I don't agree that Dayton Moore gave these guys everything they needed to compete. I think it was pretty clear that they didn't have that. But, you know, Dayton Moore's not here anymore. Cal Eldred is not here anymore. Like, everything, like, we, we've removed all of the issues. So, hopefully, supposedly, we actually have, we, we are giving these guys everything that they need to compete. To, uh, you know, do whatever it is they need to do to be a, a competent major league starting pitcher. So... Yeah, at this point, it really is on these guys to um, to improve. It is on these guys to compete. So we're it'll be very interesting to see who will uh, make the final rotation come opening day. Because, you know, if they can't cut the rotation, then honestly, the bullpen itself isn't a guaranteed spot. It's not even like you can just say, oh, we can, you know, stash Jackson Kowar or you know, Chris Bubich in the in the bullpen, because the bullpen is also looking at a lot of options. So the guaranteed bullpen is Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman, and Aroldis Chapman. Those are the big three guys that I think are like totally in. And I also wrote down Taylor Clark. I'm going to have him as a, a kind of guarantee for the bullpen. Again, kind of like Brad Keller, I'm not feeling super strongly on this, but I do think uh, Taylor Clark was a little bit underrated throughout 2022 i know he had like i, I know you can look at his era and say oh you don't he's a, you know he had a four era he's not really that good of a reliever but he had a really really bad stretch for the first you, you know like a couple months it wasn't even the first couple of months it was like one week or one or, or like two three weeks he was just awful and then throughout the rest of the year he actually pitched with a sub three era so i don't know i am personally pretty high on taylor clark so I will have him there, but again, not dying on this hill. Aside from those four, you've got eight guys who are fighting for a spot in the bullpen. That's Amir Garrett, Jose Quas, Josh Stamont, Colin Snyder, Josh Taylor, uh, the guy we tr we got from Boston in return from Mondesi, Richard Lovelady. I know he hasn't been around in a couple of years, but he is still in the organization and Erodis Vizcaino, I think that's how you say his name. I'm sorry if I if I mispronounced that. And then Cody Petit, who is um, I actually forgot where we got Cody Petit from, but he he's he's another guy that's in the organization and like at at the major league level. So those are that's eight guys. And again, if you want to add Taylor Clark to that mix, nine guys fighting for five bullpen spots. On top of all of those starting pitchers, we have either 18 or 20 guys, depending on how you look at this, if you want to add Brad Keller and Taylor Clark into there, fighting for, like, five, six spots <laughs> in this entire pitching staff. That is a lot. So, um, yeah, and, and it's funny because the Royals already kind of cleaned up a lot of uh a lot of their guys. A lot of the guys that were on the team last year are no longer around. Gabe Spire was claimed off of waivers. Luke Weaver was claimed off of waivers. Wyatt Mills, uh Yoel Piamps, I think he was already I think Piamps was already gone before the before the season ended. But what whatever. Doesn't matter. 
uh, Daniel Megden, uh, Jake Brents, which actually kind of surprised me. I thought Brents was all right. Um, yeah, like all of those guys, those guys are gone. They're, they're no longer around. I am specifically talking about the guys that are listed as within the Kansas City Royals organization. All right. It is up to 20 players fighting for up to seven spots. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and honestly, like the only ones that I say are like, like maybe you don't have to put them as, um, like in the, ro- in the Royals on the you don't have to put them on the major league level right now i think the only guy you can really say that for is on hell zerpa i think he's the only one you can say yeah we can start zerpa in in triple a like that's fine but everyone else should be at the major league level by now and some of these guys actually do have major league experience i mean Eric garrett has major league experience ryan yarborough has major league experience so um yeah it's not even like we're trying out a lot of uh, young kids. We're, we're we're dealing with lots of uh, we're kind of dealing with a, a a a box of scraps, I suppose. And then we're trying to turn them into Iron Man, if that makes any sense at all. And let's uh, th- this isn't even to mention the guys that are in the minor league system and are so are expected to get major league opportunities at some point this year. Jonathan Bolin is one of those guys. Um, uh, TJ Sikama, I think could be one of those guys, or maybe Beck way, you know, some, some of those pitchers that we acquired last year that are already approaching their mid twenties. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, of pitching that needs to be, uh, filled in, in the Royals. And we have lots of guys, but do we actually have the pitching? I don't know. We'll, uh, figure this out or well, I'm not going to do anything, but someone's going to figure this out later on. Uh, I know very little about this, but I, uh, I guess I don't envy the position of whoever has to figure this out, but maybe for them, it's a really, really fun opportunity. So many possibilities. Now, um, I get, I'm actually going to skip the order that I listed uh, earlier where I said I was going to talk about the powder blue uniforms next, because I think this would be a better transition for the state of the farm in the Royals organization, because there are some kind of mixed reactions to the farm in Kansas City. There are some people who say that this is one of the the worst systems in all of baseball. But then there was Keith Law of The Athletic, who actually said that the Royals farm system is not really that bad, and... um is actually sort of, it's, it's closer to the middle of the pack than the bottom of all of baseball. But um, either, either way, I would like to say that the farm system is not really as bad as maybe some people think it is. And Keith Law is, you know, obviously pointing to the upside. But even if we want to say that this is this farm system is not very good, because I remember I saw like a small conversation on Baseball America with someone who was like, Hey, what? Cause I think they, I think Baseball America actually said the Royals have the worst farm system. And then someone was like, Well, what about all these guys? What about like Carter Jensen and Nick Lofton, you know, and Tyler Gentry and all these great prospects? And then Baseball America was like, Well, any local fan is going to gas up their own prospects. Everyone is going to think that they have the, the better prospects than the other team. But I mean, 
How, do you know what's going on with every other farm system? Do you actually know what's going on with the minor leagues? I mean, it, I kind of say this as if they were being really condescending about it, and they really weren't. But it kind of presented this interesting point where, you know, as Royals fans, we're obviously looking at our own prospects and we're, you know, looking at all of their upside and thinking, oh, wow, we, we've got a lot of potential in this organization. But then, you know, every other, any other team can be doing that. Any other fan of any other team can be doing that. But still, I think even even if we want to kind of take the worst case scenario and say that the Royals have the absolute worst farm system in baseball going into 2023, I don't think it matters all that much. And it's definitely not as bad as the last time the Royals had the worst farm system in baseball, which was, I think, after 2017 or maybe even in 2017, even before we traded like Matt Strom and uh, those other guys away. I because when that happened, like going into 2018, we had nothing. We had literally absolutely nothing in our in our system. And even if we want to say that the royal system isn't very good right now, we can still look at a lot of different players that are like, hey, this can be a solid player right here. Gavin Cross can be a solid player. Nick Lofton can be a solid player. Caden Wallace can be a solid player. And the guys that are, and, and we're going to say this for other other guys who are still at very very low levels, and they just need to, um, you know, they just need to impress a little more, like Carter Jensen, like Luca Tresh, uh, like Ben Kiderna, who I'm personally a big fan of, Frank Mazzucato, those guys we drafted in 2021. We took a, we had a very very weird, and unusual draft class in 2021. But I mean, a lot of those guys are in like the top ten of our system, so. And and they they're the out the outlook for them is solid right now. Back in 2017, our our top prospects for 2017 was Matt Strom, number one, who was a top 100 prospect uh, at least according to Fangraphs. I'm kind of using them for this example because um, theirs are easier to find. And then it was Hunter Dozier, who, who had a future value of 50, which kind of says that this he was a solid prospect. He was he was all right. And then everyone below Hunter Dozier was 45 or even lower than that, which is to say that they were, like, average at best. Number three was Josh Stomont, who still had a lot of issues with his command. And then number four, guess who number four was? It's everyone's favorite player. Ryan O'Hearn was the Royals' number four prospect in 2017. Number five, Scott Blewett. Number six, A.J. Puckett, who we ended up trading. Uh, later that year for Melky Cabrera. Number seven, Khalil Lee, who got a little bit better. And then number eight, Eric Skoglund. Number nine, Mabry Zaloria. And number 10, Jorge Bonifacio. And look, the projections on like all of these guys, most of the, because Fangraphs attached their uh, projections for each of these these prospects. Most of them are, they most of them had a higher chance of not even reaching the MLB above anything else. And then the ones that actually would make the MLB were going to be, they were projected to be like mediocre replacement level pitchers or not pitchers, players. And those are, those are our top 10 prospects. And I don't think that it, you, you can look at, you know, the top 10 that we have right now uh, with the same level of uh, criticism, I guess. Cause number one, Gavin Cross, number two, Nick Lofton, number three, Ben Kaderna. Number four, Caden Wallace. Number five, Michael Garcia. 
Number six, Tyler Gentry. Number seven, Carter Jensen. Number eight, Luca Tresh. Number nine, Frank Mazzucato. Number 10, Peyton Wilson. Those are the top 10 Royals prospects according to, uh, to, according to The Athletic. And a lot of those are, you know, they're already saying, like, the, the Royals have solid players right here. Gavin Cross, solid player. Nick Lofton, Caden Wallace, Michael Garcia. We're already expecting him to be on the Royals at some point in 2023. So I think the outlook looks a lot better than, you know, the last time the Royals had a, a, a truly bad farm system. And even if we are going to still say, like, oh, no, we don't have a, a good farm, you know, it's it's because we graduated all of our best prospects last year. Last year, we graduated Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, and Vinny Pasquantino. We had a great farm system going into 2022, and then, yeah, we used it all up. But, you know, we're expecting these guys to stay on the team for six plus years so there's not quite an emergency of needing these other guys and then you know the uh the guys before that it was all the pitchers the the guys that we took in 2018 brady singer daniel lynch jackson kowar etc they were top prospects at one point they were considered to be solid prospects and now they're at the major league level of course it doesn't necessarily mean that they've been doing well and yeah that's a really really big issue but still, I'm not too alarmed at the fact that the Royals don't have a great farm system right now. Because I think it's it's going to continue to get better as the prospects we have now develop. Because, you know, again, like some of the best ones are at really, really low levels. We've got another good draft coming up. We're still picking in the top 10 this year. I think it'll be all right. I'm not alarmed about this. Uh, so that aside, I want to bring up the fact that the Royals are doing something pretty cool. They're going to bring back the real powder blue uniforms for opening day. And by the real powder blue uniforms, I mean like the, the old powder blue uniforms with the powder blue pants. Because that's something that people have been asking for for a while. You know, the Royals redesigned their uniforms a little bit in 2022 and people were like, oh man. Hope they bring back the, the, the blue pants. They better blue, bring back the blue pants. And they didn't bring back the blue pants. Then they were doing City Connect uniforms. And people, again, were like, oh, man, they better have powder blue pants. They better have the powder blue pants. They didn't have the powder blue pants. I don't know. The Royals have been very, very resistant about the powder blue pants. And they still are because they've said that the powder blue is only coming back for opening day specifically. I can't be the only one who thinks that's just a little bit weird. It, like, isn't that weird? The Royals are, they've, they've, they've made it a really big deal that they're doing this. They've made it known that they are aware of the public interest for the powder blue pants. And so the Royals are bringing them back for one day? I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they are doing this. I think it's cool. I think it's nice, but st seriously, only one day. Like, why only one day? My guess is that they're just, they're, they're maybe aware of the fact that colored pants are not exactly a popular thing nowadays, because you look at the City Connect uniforms for the Dodgers and the Cubs. They both have navy blue pants, and people really don't like them. Granted, I think that the issues with those uniforms are, you know, way beyond the, the blue pants that they have, but maybe they're looking at 
kind of the, the negative feedback that other teams who have incorporated color pants are getting. And they're saying, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe the powder blue won't fit in today's demograph. It won't fit with today's market. So they're going to bring them back for one day as like a test run. They're going to do this and then say, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll see what people think now that they get to see the powder blue in, in modern day context. And maybe if the reception is positive, then they'll bring them back for longer. Because they did say, they, they said it was only for opening day, but then they said they'll consider bringing them back again sometime later in the year. So maybe, I don't know. I, I, either the powder blue is going to be some kind of test run and then you know if reception is positive if fans and players and media like it they'll bring them back more permanently at some point later or maybe the powder blue pants are just like a really really special item for really really special games whatever those would be honestly because right now we don't have a lot of uh special games <laughs> at kaufman stadium but i don't know still kind of nice that they're bringing them back at least for a day Kind of wish it wasn't for one day, but I guess we'll see how this goes. Because I guess the Royals don't want to bring back the powder blue pants and then have everyone say, oh man, these look terrible. They, 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 they look like pajama pants. Why are they wearing them? They look so ridiculous. They, these, those boys look silly in their powder blue pants. <laughs> and they're like, and then they don't want to be like, okay, well, we thought this was a good idea. And now we look like idiots. Everyone said this would be a good idea and we, they lied to us. So I don't know. <laughs> Just a random thing that I wanted to bring up. Oh, and also, in the little visual that they that they made to celebrate this, they're like, hey, Powder Blue is coming back. They made, like, a, this graphic uh, for that. Um, and it shows Brady Singer pitching. So, I don't know. I feel like this is the Royals making a subtle nod to Brady Singer being the opening day starter. I don't think they formally announced it, but I think that the fact that he's on the poster to celebrate Powder Blue uniforms for opening day is a sign that they're going to do that. I mean, I don't know. It could also just be the fact that, you know, Zach Greinke hadn't been signed yet, uh, so they couldn't use him. But I think Brady Singer deserves to be the opening day starter because fans are really excited about Brady Singer, and I think we all kind of agree that he was the best pitcher for the Royals last year. I think he deserves it. He should pitch opening day. Now, there is one other thing that I want to talk about, and it's not necessarily a uh, a good thing but um i kind of feel like there is this ongoing i don't know if it's like a feud maybe some kind of conflict between salvador perez and the royals itself because lots of people have been talking about the fact that he unfollowed the royals from social media after um suddenly blanking on the name, Pedro Griffal, uh left the Royals to go manage for the Chicago White Sox. And some people have been wondering if maybe Salvi is going to request a trade. Maybe he doesn't want to play for the Royals anymore. Um, there have even been rumors of the Royals talking about trading Salvador Perez, although I've also seen rumors saying that the Royals have no interest in moving Salvador Perez, which I'm not surprised. You know, I kind of think that the that J.J. Piccolo understands that Royals fans are very um, <laughs> punished right now, that it hasn't been very good for us for the last couple of years, so he's kind of on damage control. I think he's trying to do whatever he can just to make people happy, you know? 
He brought back the the powder blue pants, even if it's for one day. He got Zach Greinke. Um, so I'm I'm sure he realizes that trading Salvador Perez would cause riots in the street right now. But I've still seen some people talk about it because they talk about the potential of a Salvador Perez trade. Hey, like, hey, what if we trade Salvi and then get a Zach Greinke-like return for him? Do I think that's actually going to happen? Honestly, no. <laughs> I, I'm i really not sure if uh, any team would be willing to give up significant prospect value for an aging catcher with skills that have been called into question very heavily in in the modern day. Not that I'm criticizing Salvi, because I love Salvi, and I don't want him to be traded, but it, it is worth noting that Salvador Perez was very close to Pedro Grifol. He liked the guy a lot. He liked having him around. And also, Salvi was really close to Dayton Moore. He was really, really upset about Dayton Moore getting fired. So, I don't know. It's it's just worth mentioning that. I'm, I'm just saying. It's kind of like, I'm wondering, does Salvi have anything to play for in Kansas City at this point? It's like all of his favorite people have left. All of his best teammates left. All of the best people he worked with left. Yeah, it's like everyone's gone. The, the the team is just Salvador Perez. He is the last remaining member of the 2015 team. And yeah, in a way, it's uh, it's kind of sad to put that into perspective. I kind of feel for him, honestly. Maybe it's not fun for him to you know stick around and then have to suffer through all of these losing seasons, all of these terrible seasons. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd want to play <laughs> for this team either, but. Yeah, it's just worth mentioning. I don't know if the Royals really are going to trade Salvador Perez. And again, we can argue about whether or not that's like the, the, the logically correct thing to do for the team. But I will say that I will be very upset if it happens. I will be very, very sad if I wake up one day and realize that Salvador Perez does not play for the Kansas City Royals anymore. Unless that reason is because he willingly retired with a borderline Hall of Fame career um, under his belt after almost 20 seasons. You know, far, far in the future, I'm talking. That would be an acceptable reason for Salvi to not be playing for the Royals anymore. And he spent all of those 20 or so seasons with the Royals. Yeah, that would be nice. But I'm talking like within the next couple of years, because, listen, I'm not like a lot of you Royals fans. I actually missed out on 2015 and 2014. I didn't watch the Royals at all. I didn't watch, like, any baseball in those years. It wasn't until, I mean, I watched the ALCS and I watched the World Series, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't part of the journey that you guys had in those years and the years before. I didn't really join this ship until 2016. That's when I started following the Royals regularly. So I don't get to say that 2015 was like the best year ever because I really wasn't there for it. So my best memories of a Royals fan are watching Salvador Perez in 2021. The season he had watching him 
join that home run race and hold on to it throughout the entire season and almost completely win it, that was that was incredible to witness. That was amazing. I love that. And for that reason, I really, really cherish Salvador Perez playing for the Royals. Again, we can argue about whether it makes sense logically, but I am one of those selfish people who just wants a player to stick around because I just like them. It just makes me happy to see that. I felt this way about Whit Merrifield in 2019, when there were lots of rumors about trading him, or before that. You know? And again, <laughs> logically, maybe not the maybe not the best decision, but that's just what I wanted. Because I liked having him around. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of guys who are favorites in their city, favorites for their team, and, you know, they stick around there for their entire careers. It always makes me sad. It doesn't even have to do with the Royals at this point. It just makes me sad whenever there's a guy who's been with one team for a long time and was a significant part of their success, and then he's just gone. Just like that. Like Freddie Freeman. You know? It was really sad when Freddie Freeman went to the Dodgers because I just feel like that was wrong in some way. And Salvador Perez in a different uniform would just feel wrong, honestly. I mean, I guess it's how a lot of people felt when Eric Hosmer signed with the Padres. So lots of people were really, really sad about that. And honestly, it, it was weird for a year or two seeing him in a Padres uniform. It's like, this doesn't make sense. It's like reality breaking. That's what it would be like to see Salvador Perez anywhere but Kansas City in any different uniform. I just really don't want it to happen. I just kind of wanted to say that because... Again, I don't know if this is how likely this is going to happen. It could be a very, very low chance or even a 0% chance, but it still needs to be said because it's kind of an, an important talking point that's been hit on a lot, a lot in the last couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, that's the sad thing that I wanted to talk about today. Hopefully it doesn't get you down too much. And if it does, well, we have a really, really important weekend Coming up, um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's this sport called football that's really, really popular in America. And uh, the, the team that we have in Kansas City, that the, they're called the Chiefs, they are really, really good at it. And they're actually going to uh, compete in the championship for this entire sport. And they're going to decide whether or not they're the best team in the entire world for this year. So that's really exciting. It's kind of a big deal in this area. And even though I'm not really, I, I, I don't pretend to be a football fan. I don't really keep up with it. But it's still exciting to see this happen in Kansas City, even if it's happened already <laughs> for twice in the last four years. This is the third time in four years. Sometimes winning does get a little bit boring. But so far, it's been pretty fun. So... Uh, I hope we all have a fun weekend. Even if the Chiefs don't win, I hope it's a good game. I hope it's a close game. I know I did. I did look at the leaked script of the NFL saying that the the Eagles are going to win thirty seven to thirty four after coming back from a big deficit, something like that. Should be fun. Should be a really exciting game. <laughs> we'll just uh, see how it goes. But whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. I'll see you again in a week or two, and I'll talk more about what happened in this offseason. Those free agents that we got, the trades that happened. Yeah, that's stuff we got We got to get caught up on. As well as the other things that I said I'd talk about way long ago, where I'd like grade all the players 
and how they did in 2022 and kind of what my expectations for 2023 are. So, yeah, uh, follow or subscribe or I don't actually know how podcasts work. So uh, if, if you listen to this, thank you. I hope you do that again sometime and you can check out whatever else is going on with the podcast at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or send me your feedback at Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. And yeah, I'll see you around. Until then, I'm Lux and go Royals.